Welcome to our new podcast series, Round Rock Sunday Sermons. My name is Brad Britton, Senior Pastor at First United Methodist Church of Round Rock. We are so glad you've connected with us. You can connect in different ways through social media, through our live streams on Facebook or YouTube, our website, fumc-rr.org, use hashtag fumcrr. Also, please leave a five-star review. We are here to walk with you and look forward to seeing you soon, however you join in. In the very near future, we'll be adding community missions to these podcasts, so stay plugged in to find out how you can help. We want you to know that we want to get to know you, to connect with you, and be the church where you can plug in and grow in your faith in Christ. And so thank you. We welcome you, and let's take this journey together. Good morning. I'm going to use one of these because I've been coughing, and I figured when I cough, I can just go. I could do this. Then you could cough. There we go. Wow, that was good. Anybody else been sick? Yeah. Just me. Y'all are a rough crowd today. What has this weather done to you? You're like staring at me. Weird. Before we uh, get into the message, I wanted to share with you what we're going to be doing with the sermon series. We are starting James, the book of James. Uh, It's in the New Testament, and there are five chapters in James, so if you want to take a chapter a week and read it, you can do that. Also, we're starting something new here on Mondays. If you opt in by uh, texting to opt into this, you can receive a uh, written devotional related to the sermon from the previous day. So tomorrow you would receive that digitally. There's also questions you can consider individually or you can use them in a group, Sunday school, whatever you, you want to do. So Wednesday nights and Thursday morning, we also do a, a Bible study about what's coming up on Sunday on the text. So literally, you could be a part of the entire process of the message before, during, and then reflecting on it afterwards. Um, What I find in most churches, a lot of us just come on Sunday and that's about it. There's not much discipleship outside of that. And so I want to offer an easy opportunity for people to get connected to reading Scripture together and, and reflecting on it. And this isn't something we're just doing for this series. This is part of the new deal here. This is what we're about. So we're going to get more intensive in um, in our discipleship here. And so it's called the vine. You know, you got to name everything. I'm one that's like, if I like it and it's good, I'll do it. Not because of the name, but we did name it the vine for the Monday morning text that you receive. And that's based on uh, John 15, where Jesus talked about he is the vine and, and we are the branches. And so we're connected to him in that way. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. I think there's an insert in your program today where it has the information on how to uh, opt into that. So let's pray. God, thank you for today. And today as we uh, think about our trials and sufferings and how to uh, process that in our lives and our faith, uh, remind us that you are with us and that you guide us through. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, James is actually the English name. His name was actually Jacob in Hebrew. Uh, It is believed that the author of this was the half-brother of Jesus. So how would you like to grow up as Jesus being your brother? I mean, can you imagine at the dinner table? 
Well, what'd you do today? Well, I got a B on that geometry test. I was really struggling. Jesus, how'd you do? Oh, taught the class, you know. So can you imagine growing up with Jesus? And so here is the half-brother of Jesus writing a letter. It says to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Now, the dispersion was Jewish Christians that were scattered throughout the Roman Empire, not necessarily in the Jerusalem area, but scattered abroad. And so he's writing this letter to them. In the letter, you see echoes from the Sermon on the Mount. So if you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, you'll see that here in, in James. Also, uh, it, it is similar to Proverbs. Proverbs in the Old Testament is a listing of wisdom sayings, and you see this in, in James as well. It really reflects Proverbs 1, 1 to 9. So we, we begin this letter with him saying that he's a servant of God in Jesus Christ. So in other words, he's saying, this isn't about me, this is about the one that I've put my faith and trust in. And so he, he sends this letter to this wide audience. And he, he begins talking about trials. Now, if you want to start with a group and maybe a letter or a talk, uh, sometimes it's good to, to ease into it. You know, you just kind of ease into it, maybe something humorous or like I did earlier that no one laughed at in that awkward moment that you can create. And, you know, you start with that, but don't start with the difficult stuff. Yet he did. He talked about the trials. He said, when you face trials, consider it nothing but joy. Now, how many of you associate joy with trials? Anybody just wake up each day and think, God, I hope I have something really difficult today to be joyful about because it's so difficult. None of us do that. That that doesn't make any sense. But he says, consider it joy. Then, then he talked about uh, this, this testing of our faith producing endurance, and then through the enduring, uh, we become mature and complete. But he begins with when you face trials. He didn't say if. Uh, remember, this was a group of people that had it hard, very difficult way easier than we do. Can you imagine being a part of the first church community back then, how difficult that would have been? And he says, when you face trials, not if. Uh, you ever hear the saying, God will never give you more than you can handle? You ever heard that? Two problems with that. Number one, it's not in the Bible. People say, oh, it's in the Bible, right? No, I actually did a series once on things we hear that people think are in the Bible that are not, and that's one of them. It also has a bad premise. Whoever said that God gives you problems to begin with? I mean, think about that a second. If I were to make a hospital visit this week, and I walk in the room, and this person is there in the hospital, things are obviously not going well, how do you think it would go over if I said, boy, what did you do wrong? You must have been bad. God's punishing you. Would you like to hear that? No. Yet, for some reason, in different parts of our culture, we assume that everything that happens is because God directed it to happen. You know, sometimes bad things happen to us because we make stupid decisions, right? I mean, let's be honest. Some things we do, we suffer for. That's just life. God's given us the freedom to do things and to be in partnership and and another word for that is sin, by the way. And thank God there's grace, right? 
Then there are other things that just happen in the world that there are no explanations, unexplained accidents, illnesses. And we don't know why they happen, but I don't think we necessarily need to blame God either. Now, what God has promised is God has ordered this world to where bad things do happen. We know that, but that God is with us in it and through it. We know that much and has promised never to leave us. And so we have the trials, the things that we suffer through, and then there's the enduring part of that. Uh, When you hear the word endurance, what do you think of with endurance? I think of pain, you know, something difficult. I have to, to endure it. Anybody start exercising this year? Anybody? You know, yeah. Uh, January 12th was Quitter's Day. You ever heard of Quitter's Day? That's a real thing. January 12th is Quitter's Day. That is when most people have called it quits on whatever the New Year's resolution might be. And, And the numbers are staggering when you look at New Year's resolutions and how many people quit by January 12th. And it's easy to see. It's, you know, some things are just hard, right? I've exercised a long time. It's just been a part of my routine. And I go through these seasons where sometimes I'll exercise alone and other times I'll be a part of a group. And I like the group workouts. It's it's fun to do that. And so the other day I went to one of the workouts and walked in the room and the coach for this is, you know, high-fiving everybody as they walk in the door. And so um, I walk in, I look at them and I say, you know, I'm just not feeling it today. I said, could you do it for me? And I just looked at all the equipment. I said, I'm going to stand over here in the corner. You do it. And then when I'm done, I want the benefits of what you've done for me. And look, this look in the eye was like, I do not get paid enough to deal with a clown like this. Really? Get on the rower. So when we endure things, we have to endure them on our own, and no one else can endure it for us because it's part of the process of, of the trial. Uh, grief is that way. Have you ever lost someone, a loved one, or, or grieved something else? Maybe it's a move or something else in your life, and you ever have somebody say to you directly or indirectly, why don't you just get over it? That's not helpful. Grief is a part of the process of healing that God has given us. And so to say to someone and to ourselves, oh, just get over it and move on, is to not let endurance have its full effect, as James said. It is part of the process of healing, and it's difficult. But God has promised to be with us as we persevere. Uh, How many of you have heard of Spencer Silver? Anybody? Spencer Silver passed away a few years ago. I can almost guarantee you that you have used or are currently using a product that came out of uh, Spencer Silver's research. In 1968, he worked for 3M, and they were working on an adhesive for aircrafts, and they needed this really strong adhesive. Well, as he was working on the strong adhesive, he discovered something else, an adhesive that's not really that strong, but when you peel it off the surface of whatever it's attached to, it doesn't leave a a mark or tear the paper. And in 1974, he was given a talk about this at 3M, And Art Fry, who also worked at 3M, happened to sing in his church choir, and he had had a problem with the 
bookmarks falling out of the hymnal when he'd mark a, a page. And he noticed this product and how it would help with that. It's post-it notes. That is how the post-it notes came about. How many of you have ever used a post-it note? Anybody? Do you know that there are 50 billion post-it notes? That's with a B. 50 billion post-it notes produced and sold every year. And it came from what seemed like a failure. You were supposed to create this adhesive to hold the aircraft together. And I'd say 50 billion a year is pretty good, wouldn't you? Yeah. So out of that came the post-it note. I think about the difficult things we, we go through and how God can even take some of the most painful things in our life and redeem them. We may not see it at the time. In fact, often we don't. It's not till later that we realize even though God may not have caused it or wanted it any more than we did, somehow something good came from it. You know, it's been said that existence is what we find and life is what we create, and I believe that. Anybody can find existence, just wake up, you exist. But life is what we create no matter the circumstance. And often in life, the circumstances are not that great. This weekend, Martin Luther King, when I was in seminary, he was one of my favorite authors to read, wonderful scholar, and his sermons are wonderful. And I wanted to share with you something he wrote regarding suffering and faith. Christian Century Magazine asked him to write an article for their publication about this topic. At the heart of it is, how can you believe in a good God and suffer what you've suffered in this civil rights movement? I mean, how do you reconcile the two? And this is, this is what he wrote. I want to share it with you. Due to my involvement in the struggle for the freedom, I've known very few quiet days in the last few years. I've been arrested five times and put in Alabama jails. My home has been bombed twice. A day seldom passes that my family and I are not the recipients of threats of death. I've been the victim of a near-fatal stabbing, so in a real sense, I have been battered by the storms of persecution. I must admit that at times I have felt that I could no longer bear such a heavy burden and have been tempted to retreat to a more quiet and serene life. But every time such a temptation appeared, something came to strengthen and sustain my determination. I have learned now that the Master's burden is light precisely when we take His yoke upon us. <clears throat> my personal trials have also taught me the value of unmerited suffering. As my sufferings mounted, I soon realized that there were two ways that I could respond to my situation, either to react with bitterness or to seek to transform the suffering into a creative force. I decided to follow the latter course. In recognizing the necessity for suffering, I have tried to make of it a virtue. If only to save myself from bitterness, I have, a, I have uh, attempted to see my personal ordeals as an opportunity to transform myself and heal the people involved in the tragic situation which now obtains. I have lived these last few years with the conviction that unearned suffering is redemptive. 
There are some who still find the cross a stumbling block, and others consider it foolishness, but I am more convinced than ever before that it is the power of God unto social and individual salvation. The suffering and agonizing moments through which I have passed over the last few years have also drawn me closer to God. More than ever before, I am convinced of the reality of a personal God. So if anyone's ever been qualified to talk about trials and suffering, uh, it would be Martin Luther King. And in his writings, not just this article, but in other writings, he talks about connecting the cross and how God becoming one of us in Jesus Christ literally took our sin upon him, but also took all of our suffering. And the cross is the greatest symbol in history of redemption. God taking something so terrible and making something out of it that no one could have ever imagined. I was uh, in a hospital recently and uh, was visiting with a family from our church. It was in the ICU, literally life or death at this point, very critical situation. I'm sitting there in the room and it was one of those visits where we talked a little bit and then we just sat for a minute and and you've been in those situations where there's there's not much you can really say you just kind of sit in the moment and it was at that moment that over the uh speakers in the hospital came the lullaby song you know a lullaby song for babies i'm not going to attempt to sing it or hum it it would be even more awkward than the beginning of the sermon but we won't go there this lullaby came over the speaker, and the hospital plays that every time a new baby is, is born. And the family that I was sitting with, the spouse of the person in the hospital bed, just looked at me, and we both kind of grinned, and we thought about how neat it is that a life literally has just begun in this moment. So there we sat in a hospital room where life and death were literally at stake, and we were reminded that even in the difficult things, even death itself, that God can create and does create new things. And I don't know about you, but if you're human, you've had trials. Maybe 2023 was a hard year for you. Maybe 2024 has been hard so far. It's only been two weeks, and here we go, right? But the reminder from James today is that, that God is not only with us, but somehow, some way, maybe not now, maybe you'll never see it, but God can redeem anything, even, even you. You know, I was thinking driving in this morning with it being so cold and I was thinking back to when I served a little church, Tawakana. It's the highest point between Dallas and Houston, and it came within a few votes of becoming the capital of Texas. Fascinating story. And I was appointed there and served five years, and this little town is on a hill, literally. And they have the most beautiful blue bonnets. In this particular year, the blue bonnets were just amazing. The biggest, brightest field of blue bonnets I'd ever seen in my life was that spring. Well, guess what? 
Holy Week in April, it snowed. We actually had to cancel the sunrise service due to snow in Texas in April. And later that day, I was driving up to the church, and I had to pass the cemetery. And the cemetery there in Tawakana is on a hill that slopes down, beautiful view. And driving past the cemetery, you know what I saw? The most beautiful snow-covered hillside with blue bonnets sticking up out of the snow. I've never forgot that. It was a reminder to me, and I hope it's a reminder to you, that no matter how cold and dark it might be today for you, that we serve a God who is a God of redeeming things, a God that can show up like a blue bonnet in a field covered with snow. Let's pray. God, some days are just hard. Some things we don't understand, and we don't look for trials and suffering. We certainly don't automatically associate being complete and mature with that. But it's our prayer today that no matter what we might be going through today, that we remember that you're not only with us, but in the enduring itself, you draw us closer to you. And so help us to help others that might be facing trials and maybe we can be a part of their healing. Help us to be patient with each other, to be kind, to be loving, and to know that there is the possibility of creating life with you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. For more information, you can find us online at fumc-rr.org or find us on social media at fumcrr.